0: Listening to New Layer, a design podcast with Tanner Christensen and Jasmine Friedel.
1: A fan of the podcast recently wrote us saying, Hello, I've been loving your podcast.
0: Hi there. Great start. Thank you.
1: I was wondering if you would ever consider discussing what product designers mean when they talk about ambiguity. I don't know if it's meaty enough for an entire episode, but I feel quite confused about why embracing ambiguity is so important. Hmm. Isn't the design process all about navigating ambiguity anyway, or am I getting that wrong?
0: That's an interesting question. Well, question for you, is this meaty enough? Do you think?
1: Yeah, so usually this is the kind of email I would get and respond. Here's like my thoughts. Here are some um, some mm-hmm. resources you can read into it. Good luck. But I do See think ya. it's important enough that it's worth a podcast episode. Why
0: do you think it's important?
1: Because I think it's the kind of thing that at least from what I've observed is not really discussed or taught openly in a very clear way. In fact, yeah. I didn't really know about ambiguity in the problem space. At least I didn't have the language to talk about it until an embarrassingly not too long ago time. Like yesterday. Like when I got this email. No.
0: <laughs> no, it, it is it, it is interesting though because when I heard you read it I was like, yeah, we say that a lot. Yeah like and and it's sort of known that you have to learn to deal with ambiguity. And I like I like the point that he brought up like isn't the process the design process meant to cut through that? Yes. And yes. I mean, yes and yes. <clears throat> Sorry. So let's dive in. <clears throat>
1: okay. So the very first thing, of course, is let's talk about what is ambiguity. Let's be like very literal here. When someone mm-hmm. says ambiguity, what do they mean? What comes to mind for you?
0: I mean, I tend to think of it as something that's unclear something that you have to um sort of cut through and I say cut through it's like how do you dig through it and find the the thing that you're going after and so it might have a lot of fluff um or um there might be many ways to approach something I don't know what do you think
1: yeah so in classic Tanner fashion I go right to the dictionary Mm
0: -hmm. what is this thing
1: we're talking about ambiguity it's a noun it means the quality of being open to more than one interpretation, or inexactness. So at th- that point, that qu- the quality of being open to more than one interpretation,
0: I'm like, I'm like, oh, I didn't think of that as a quality. Like it's, and why isn't it an adjective then? If it's like an ambiguous person or an ambiguous project, anyways. Um, that's a really good point. Yeah, I'm like the quality of being. So this thing hosts a char- characteristic. Mm -hmm. yeah and that makes
1: sense and when do we often see ambiguity come up in the design world
0: i mean i tend to think of it at the start of the project as you're sort of like trying to figure out what this thing is um is that
1: ambiguity for the individual or the project does it matter i think it does so here's why i think it matters
0: does said listener think it matters i mean what i heard was you know you are supposed to, as a designer, be able to manage ambiguity. I think that comes up at many times during your career. Yes, in many okay. different levels. So there was a right answer. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, you're right. And this is why ambiguity matters as a skill set. Being able to tackle ambiguity matters as a skill set for designers. Mm-hmm. You have to be comfortable with working in a space that is unclear, inexact.
0: Yeah, and I think of like, I'm thinking of... Um, the rubrics by which we evaluate employees or employees, uh, designers, also employees. There's a lot of things that, um, seem to point to that cutting through ambiguity. Like I'm thinking of like problem definition. We look for people who can define problems, um, big or small, um, who can learn more about problems in order to make sure that the problems are crystal clear. There's research in that there's insight, there's data. Um, and then when, when, um, you know, thinking about, there's you know there's what was it? <laughs> being able to be solved many ways is something that came to mind when you were reading the dictionary definition and then I think of like generation and evaluation like how we try directions and we fail at them so this to me is something that is probably not only something that's at the beginning of of the the project process which is you know the both the problem and the solution could be ambiguous the process itself could be ambiguous but also the kinds of problems we tackle over our tenure as designers from junior designers to senior designers and even, you know, business leaders.
1: Right. And this is, this is exactly how I think about this question as well. It's so layered that we really need to kind of break down where, where in that stack we're talking about things. Mm -hmm. So the way that I often see this come about is when a designer is just starting out, they're fresh out of school or they're at their very first job as a designer When we talk about ambiguity, these designers aren't really exposed to too much of it, right? The ambiguity for them might be the role itself. How do I work here? How do I, Mm. how do I use the process of design to solve this problem? But the challenges they're typically given, not always, but typically. You're talking about like junior folks? Junior, junior designers, Mm -hmm. new to to the experience. uh, You know, usually they're given projects that are a little bit somewhat defined. Someone on the team has an idea. They have a picture. They have all the data. They just need a designer to make it tangible, more to less, solve it, to solve it.
0: Well, I, I mean, I'm this, this makes me think back to when I, um, was an IC and I had interns. And so I think at Facebook I mentored maybe three interns and the idea, like even before the intern comes in, before you know who it is, what you're doing is you're scoping out a project. Um, and let's say it's a 12 week internship or a six, 16 week internship. What you're doing as a senior designer is you're figuring out, <clears throat> sorry, I have coughs and throat clears, because I've been sick for a while, but you can get over that. Um, you know, what's, what's the thing that I, I know in my experience that, that a more junior person can accomplish, and it's set up so carefully um, so that they can go in and define the problem if it's given to them, run, you know, practice a process, and then come out with solutions in this time frame. And so what we end up doing is cutting out a lot of ambiguity there. Um, so that they can deal with small doses of it. Right. And that's generally how we approach, you know, junior designers. I think we, we talk a lot about like, or at least as leaders I do, like what's the designer scope? What kind, you know, are they working on features? Are they working on pages? Are they working on systems? And there's, there's, there's bits of their responsibility that we can, you know, cut down to begin with and then scale over time.
1: Yeah. And this is a a common thing that, (laughs) We we tend to do that we tend to do uh, for new members of the team as well, meaning new designers or new engineers in order to get them onboarded to the company and the product. We tend to outline tasks ahead of time and say, Hey, here's a lightweight thing. The customer has asked for X. We've thought about possible solutions and here's kind of what we think needs to make sense. Go figure out how to make that a reality. Right?
0: Yeah. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought of that, but thinking of new joiners, like even as a director joining a new company the space may feel, may feel ambiguous to me. It might not be ambiguous and sort of there, like there's a lot of ways to solve that until I get the context of, you know, I might come into a new company and by the way, designers do this all the time that I'm like, I see problems from the outside and I'm like, well, I can fix them. And so, or I'm not sure how we're going to fix them. And then by the time I get more knowledge and ramp up, <clears throat> I may have established, the understanding that cuts through the ambiguity that I feel. And I think that might be something interesting to sort of differentiate is when do things feel ambiguous based on my knowledge versus when are they ambiguous and we're sort of cutting through them together, you know, in a team as a company in the world.
1: Yeah. And I think (coughs) for the sake of this conversation, that's the more interesting question to be asking here. Let me give you a, a few examples. So when we talk about ambiguity in the world of design, there are things that are not really ambiguous, right? Uh, If you're working on a digital product that needs sharing, there are a lot of solutions out there around how to share something. Almost any type you imagine, some product has already solved that in some form or another, right? It might be ambiguous to you in some level, but as you start to explore the space, it becomes clear.
0: And another one might even be like I was mentioning earlier, like a process might be ambiguous. I'm not sure how to get started. I'm not sure what to what step of the design process to use first. And sometimes you'll go and you'll come into companies and they're like, this is how we do it. And you cut through that or you practice and you define that. And so the many ambiguous things that you might be facing, some of that can clarify just with, um, with practice and with, um, experience Mm -hmm. and expertise.
1: The key term that I heard you just Mm -hmm. say is clear is clarity. And I think that's what we talk about. When we talk about ambiguity, we're looking for that clarity. That's what a designer should be offering. No matter if this is your process or the problem or the project or solutions, we want clarity. And so, like we said, when, you, when you're starting out, you tend to be given non-ambiguous problems, kind of a little bit clearer, because the team has already done the work for you in some regard to, to add clarity to the solution, right? There's a path mm-hmm. forward for you. As you scale in your design career, that expectation shifts and you're no longer going to be uh, someone who can be handheld and say, oh, here's like something I've identified, go work on this, right? Go, go solve this problem. It's going to help the business. No, as you progress in your career, the expectation usually is we're not going to tell you what to do or where to look or how to solve this problem. You need to figure it out.
0: Yeah. And this brings me back to dear listeners question. My voice just got really raspy. <laughs> <clears throat> this is going to be a special podcast. Um, where he was saying, you know, doesn't the design process cut through that? Mm-hmm. And the question is, um, you know, where, I think the question I'm, I'm starting to see is like, where is this ambiguity, ambiguity showing up? Um, at, at what points are you feeling it or seeing it? And there's, there's going to be things that transition throughout your career. Does that make sense? I think You so. looked at me funny.
1: No, I'm just processing what you were saying. I think you're right. Uh, this ambiguity is like almost overwhelmingly prevalent in any job you have. Even as, even if we're not talking about designers, there are going to be a lot of uncertainties and a lot of possible paths forward Mm -hmm. in a career. Right. The question is, well, how do you move forward? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, well, you can use the design process to do other things than just design a product. Right.
0: Well, I guess that's sort of what I'm getting at is if, if, if the, the, um, knowledge space feels ambiguous, ambiguous, To you, do you use the design process in that versus, you know, I'm starting a company. I need to learn the organization and I need to learn how we work and I need to learn where our research lives and I need to learn about competitors and all that stuff. Do you use the design process to do that?
1: Isn't that what you just described?
0: I mean, I was thinking of, I was just posing his question. I (laughs) hadn't answered it in my head. I was just curious to start identifying where these show up? I think we might be having a little disconnect right now. Maybe. Okay. I, maybe we're in two different planes. Here's the That's thing. That's okay. It happened.
1: This subject is very ambiguous.
0: <laughs> Stop it.
1: <coughs> <laughs> and there are a lot of possible ways to talk about it. And th- the way that I'm interpreting what you're saying right now, and the way I think about this is in your career, in your projects, in your personal life, there is
0: ambiguity. Like. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of like people process product. Yeah. Like, I might not know. I might have ambiguity around the people that I work with. Mm-hmm. How do I work with them? Yep, who are they? Um who are they? How do I develop good connections? How do I leverage the you know the PM to my to be a great partner? How do I work with engineers? There might be like a lot of things to figure out there. very simply, process. There's many ways to approach a problem. I'm dealing with one of these um, in one project I'm working at right now where, I know what I need, the end result, or I know what the goal is, I know what the problem is, but I'm not quite sure how to articulate the thing I'm doing in a way that um, paints the picture of where we're going. And so there's many, many ways and it's very unclear and so I need to cut through that. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is, you know, product. When we're going out there and we're finding customer problems and we're, or user problems and we're solving them through our software or experiences. Sometimes there's, you know, ambiguity around the pro- the problems and sometimes there's ambiguity around the solutions.
1: Right. <clears throat> I think you you're absolutely right. And the path forward in any of these cases, I think is the design process or it can be, right?
0: Even with the people. See, that's what I want to kind of sketch out.
1: I think it is. Okay. I think with with anything, really. <laughs> uh let me give you an example here or let me let me talk about
0: design that. process solves your life. <laughs>
1: I was having a conversation. I think we were doing a clubhouse session with someone who's uh, starting to look how to get into design. And she asked me something about the design process in my life and how I've made habits of thinking in kind of a design kind of way. And my response surprised me a little bit, but it really was like design has become such an integral part of just how I think as a human being that I cannot not think. (laughs) in terms of like the design
0: process, right? What should we have for dinner? Well, the problem is I'm hungry. And the The ambiguity is like, what should we choose?
1: Right, and so I I think it is appropriate to use that design process. Now it's not gonna be exact for all these things, like the people scenario is a really interesting one, but I do think you're gonna leverage those same skills. And so when it comes to, let's say you joined a new team and the ambiguity in that is, well, your role can be one of many different things you may have expectations already outlined for you. You probably have a title. You got a salary. Congrats on the job. But what do you actually do day to day? It's it's unclear. It's There's many possible ways forward. So what do you do? Well, you start by identifying, well, what's the problem? Okay, I, I need to get clarity around what I do. And what can you do to solve that? Well, you can- Well,
0: the, that's not the, I need to get clarity is not a problem. That's the action. So the problem might be something like, I'm sitting around with too much time on my hands, or I keep getting pulled in many different directions, and that's painful. And so I don't know what the core of my my job is, and then I need to find out what I do.
1: Such an existential question. <laughs>
0: yes. So, so who am I? Where do so I? So, what go? do you
1: do? Well, at the start of anything that's ambiguous, ambiguous, we're going to say this so much that it's, it's going to so lose hard, all meaning. Yeah. Uh, what do you do? Well, you look at all the possible ways forward. You look at the information you have available to you, the resources you can connect, and you start to dare I say, diverge. Right?
0: Right. And I mean, it does start from a problem. Like if if we're talking about, let's say I got, my role got eliminated and I got pulled into a new role and I'm feeling a certain way about it, or I'm finding I don't have enough time to get things done. Like I could extract some really clear problems and that's maybe I feel disconnected from the new work that I'm doing. And that problem would be something where I would want to go and explore and diverge and say, How do I feel connected to work? What are the things in my day that make me feel engaged? Um, And in another scenario, when I'm pulled different ways, that's a different kind of a problem where it's like, I feel exhausted or I'm not able to get things done um, in in a way that feels useful. Um, And so then I would go and explore, well, you know, things like, what's the highest priority thing? Do I have too many partners? Um, how does, how do these things work together? Are there other parts of the business or other teams that can take these things on? And so I think, I think that is the root of ambiguity is like, what's, what's the core thing, like really clearly getting down to the core problem or the core opportunity that needs to be solved.
1: And creating a a plan (laughs) or strategy around how to get there.
0: Right. Right. And it's, it's usually, I mean, just like the design process, it's usually either collecting more information. We might have to cut this early. Um, even connecting Uh, collecting more information or once the all information has been collected, then some sort of like concepts, you know, concepting to try and solve that.
1: Yeah. A little bit of rigor there saying I could do this. I could do that. I could do that. There's pros and cons to this direction Mm -hmm. over that direction. Let me pull in some third parties and get some input on this. Let me evaluate all those things. Mm -hmm. It's almost comical, I think to a lot of people, but it's true. Like this same process can be used for everything in your life. And if you're like, Living and breathing design, you will start applying it to everything from how do I load the dishwasher efficiently to like, what is my next, which by the
0: way, there are different ways to load the dishwasher efficiently. I'm just saying, not that we need to have this out right now.
1: There is literally, I can't remember where the source is, something like Harvard or something, uh, like the like scientific way to load a dishwasher. Is
0: that what you use? And is that why I'm wrong? Yes.
1: Um, (laughs) No. Okay. So like when we talk about ambiguity and using the design process, that's what we're talking about. We're saying there's a lot of possible paths forward. You as an individual may not know what the right one is. Your team probably doesn't know what the right one is in some contexts. Working with ambiguity means you you are up for the challenge. You know how to go and scope that thing and use resources. And like you said, Jasmine, cut through that ambiguity, define that clarity. And there's...
0: There's one thing that I've fallen prey to definitely in my career, but one, the, the meaning of cutting through the ambiguity is not necessarily cutting straight to the solution. Yeah. And I think that's very easy for people to do where it's like, this isn't ambiguous. We can solve it this way. Um, and I, I even have leaders come to me now who say, Oh, we just need to do this. And I have to go, why, why are we doing this? And they may feel like it's cutting through ambiguity and trying to move us forward but if you haven't done the exercise of that um, diverging of that generation to try and figure out what the multiple paths are, um, you you sometimes end up needing to redo your work or um, you don't get the results you wanted if you're shipping a project um, or you cause a lot of churn of people just asking questions and trying to figure out what you were actually getting at. And so cutting through is not, it is about getting to the solution But it's not just getting straight to the solution. It's actually being able to find the different paths and evaluate them and determine what's best. And we do this all the time in the design process. And that's, you know, how do you come up with your three to 10 different options to solve this problem and not just three to 10 sort of like slight variations on it. But if you know, you're, you kept talking about sharing, but if it's, if it's like, I want to share my, you know, my Peloton ride how do I get that to the broadest audience? And so maybe we're at Peloton, maybe we're trying to figure that out. And they're like, well, you know, Facebook, obviously. And maybe that's the answer. Like Facebook sharing is really, really well known. There's the plugin. But do, do they think about like where communities are that, you know, fellow Peloton writers are? So maybe it's Strava or maybe it's something else, or maybe Peloton wants to create their own community and it's just sharing internally with your followers or something like that. And so, that process of not just going, oh yeah, Facebook, that's where it needs to be. That's where I've seen it the most often. That process of figuring out what all these sharing avenues are. And then there's, you know, that might be like the placement, but then there's the flows and you're cutting through this over and over again to try and figure out what's the best experience, what's the best path and what gets the best results for the company.
1: Right. So when we talk about dealing with ambiguity as a designer, the question really is how much can you... How, how productive can you be in the absence of guidance, mm, in the absence yeah. of information? So, you know, like I said, when you're, when you're starting out as a designer, usually you're given quite a bit of information, a bit of context, a bit of help. And that's yeah. great. It's good. As you progress in your career, you're going to be tasked with doing work that no one else on your team has the answers to. Maybe no one in your company, maybe no one in your industry. I remember uh, when, when I first got a job at Lyft working on our autonomous vehicles team. Autonomous vehicles is a space rot, rot with ambiguity, Yep. meaning it's not a solved problem. It's not the kind of thing where you can go and say, has Google done here? Let's copy that yeah. general best practice, right?
0: In other words, you might find that are sort of getting in that same thing are, you know, are they a self-starter? Are they proactive? Do they have a drive? And it might just be the phrasing where we say, you know, handles ambiguity well, Um That might be the characteristics or, you know, especially if you're listing and looking at a job listing, it might be something like we haven't figured out our, our stuff yet. And so like either the, the product space, product market fit, or, um, you know, it's, we'll ask you for a lot of things and it might not be super clear. I've worked for leaders before who are very ambiguous in their asks. They're like, I want something. I don't know what it is. And then you bring that to them and they're like, that's not it. And you're like, okay, I have to go back and say to you, what problem are you trying to solve? And then I have to come up with, you know, a a couple different directions that might work for you. And so those are like the reasons people might say we need somebody who deals with ambiguity might be a little bit different. But those are a couple scenarios that might fall into.
1: Yeah. And the way you can approach this, if if ambiguity comes up in your role, whether it's a design peer saying like, let's deal with this ambiguous space or it's a part of a job description or something you treat that, the ambiguity around the definition of ambiguity, the same way you would with any project, right? You, you dive in. Okay, well, what does this really mean? What's the landscape look like? What questions can I ask? Where can I look to try to make, get some clarity around this, right?
0: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, even when you're trying to figure that out, it's like, well, why do you need it? Where do you, maybe not why, but where do you need a designer to, to, to cut through ambiguity? Where do you need them to be best? And maybe it is like, well, we've got big existential company questions, or we've got some really meaty projects we want you to dive into.
1: Yeah. Usually where I see this go really poorly, uh, kind of going back to what you said a minute ago, where I've seen this going really poorly is when, when certain people are faced with an ambiguous problem space, many, many people get paralyzed. They, they, they can't see a path forward. And so they don't do anything right. There are so many people I know who want to be designers or want to be writers or programmers or, whatever. And when I talk to them, they're like, I want to do this thing. I see all this great work. I just don't know where to start. And so,
0: and that's when the doubt creeps in.
1: (laughs) Here we go. Yeah, exactly. Right. And the opposite of that are the people who say, I don't know this thing, but I know how to find out or I I feel.
0: Yeah. And that actually really does resonate with our, our last episode because we were talking about doubt and I was saying, that, you know, the systems that I have in place, it's like, I, I, I might not know what the output comes, but I have confidence. And I think that's the skills that we're talking about is, you know, being able to cut through ambiguity and being able to identify the problems within it, ambiguous spaces and being able to create plans and strategies and execute them. The history of that Uh, alleviates doubt, but it also helps you cut through ambiguity over and over again.
1: Right. So what you're saying, if if I'm understanding correctly is, you know, when you're, when you're just starting out, ambiguity can be a a little bit of a frightening obstacle. You're not really sure where to go or how how to navigate the problem space or your career or whatever the problem is. But over time you start to learn tactics and strategies and build your tool set with how to deal with ambiguous problems.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Are there things that have helped you in your career to, to build that tool set, the default answer that I'll just share because it is important is experience. Of course, like dealing with a lot of ambiguous, unclear problems, the more you do that, the more comfortable you become with that problem. But is there any other like tools, resources, experiences that you've had that have helped you personally that you can think of?
0: I'm thinking, I mean, I'm trying to think of like outside of the traditional design process, like from problem to solution? I mean, I think there's, I think, I think I'm thinking, I'm thinking out loud. I think there's, you know, just the idea of talking to other people. Um, and that might be your research phase or your, your understanding the problem better, but trying to get perspective on, you know, not does the same ambiguous to you, but what do you know about this problem? What do you know about the space? What have we done before? Um, and I think like information, And that's, that's a style thing for me because I am somebody, (coughs) excuse me, because I am somebody who craves information and I crave context and I crave systems and understanding how things work together. Once I, once I get that, there's, there's less ambiguity because I see I'm able to put constraints on things, constraints on things. So maybe constraints is a good answer. I'm able to, once I have information, I'm able to say, well, this won't work. This won't work. This won't work. Or actually the problem has emerged really clearly to me. And so maybe what constraints can you put on this? The other thing I found is, um, breaking things down into smaller problems. And so like vision work, vision work is something that often seems really ambiguous and designers get tasked with this all the time. Like I wanted to paint a three-year vision for the company or a three-year vision for this product. And you go, well, I don't know what that looks like. Or you might be somebody who's like, I know exactly what that looks like. And then you're probably wrong. But unless you've been like working in a space for like 10 years, then you still might be wrong, but even taking that on and going, Oh, vision, like that sounds big, especially if you've never done vision work before it's really, it's fun. And you want to do that. Cause that's what designers are supposed to do. Right. But how do you create a thir- a three year vision? Well, you know, you're going to want to break it down and say, well, what are we doing now? where are the opportunity areas? Okay. Well, I don't know the opportunity areas. Cool. Well, let's just start with project one, which is finding opportunity areas. Um, maybe you go back to your mission and vision and say, Hey, what are we, what, what did we say we were going after? Maybe you need to create a mission and vision that can be a a, a project on its own. Um, maybe you need to do customer research and that's, you know, you need an insights piece. And so like you can break big, ambiguous things down into smaller pieces that you can create, problems to solve and then piece them back together. And I like to think of that as just, you know, good scoping. If something seems ambiguous, what's the smallest part of it you can take on. And I think that's true of many things in life too. If You want to start like a weight loss journey. You're like, cool. I want to lose hundred pounds. Great. How can I lose five? And you, you start to say, you know, Hey, what are my strategies? I want to, you know, I don't know why these are probably because I'm thinking about exercise a lot, but I want to start, I want to run a marathon you're not going to do it tomorrow. So, you know, what do you have to do? Well, you have to plan it. You have to say, I'm going to run a 5k first. And then you, you create your workout plan and there'll be different milestones along the way. And this is just like, we talked about strategy too recently. Like how do you create your plans? So I think those are probably the two things. How about you?
1: Mm, A lot of what you said resonates really, really well with me. Um, yeah, I mean, the way that I always approach really any ambiguous problems is through a kind of like tried and true process that I've just learned over time. The very first thing like you is information gathering. So I start with the, a few things. What are the things that I know with some confidence, with some certainty? Like, what are those things? And if you are looking at a place of ambiguity, you have something that you might know, right? It's maybe it's one thing, maybe it's two things, maybe it's a handful, whatever. But you know something Ooh. about problems. Yeah. Right?
0: And I, I used to do on my scratch pads when I was putting stuff together, at least for IC work, I'd say like things we know and things we don't know. Yeah. And of course there's the things we don't know that we don't know, but at least identifying the open questions that we have or things we're curious to learn about. Those can be many problems in their own. It's like learning about this thing. Exactly. So yeah, that documenting what you know, what you don't know.
1: And the, the best part about that, I think is it gives you a very clear next step. Mm-hmm. So again, you start with, well, what do you know with some confidence? You write those down. What are the questions you have or what are you not so sure about? Maybe it's one question. Maybe you have a hundred questions, whatever you write down though, that's your next step. Go pursue answers. And as you start pursuing that, what will happen is you're going to start learning more things. You're Mm -hmm. also going to start knowing or learning things you don't know. And more questions will come about. And you'll also see other things in the space that might inspire you or motivate you. And you start to add you start to get clarity by really adding a lot more information to the, to the pile.
0: Yeah. And you, I mean, it depends on how much information you have, but this is when you might get into experiments too, where you create a hypothesis and say, well, I think if we do this, then this will happen. And so then you may be able to get an experiment out and ship something, um, or design something or practice something, whatever your experimental method is and learn from it and say, whoop, that was wrong. Back to the drawing board. That was direction one. Um, that didn't work or yeah, we got some traction on that. We need to maybe iterate a little bit. And so starting to try and and test things. And again, I think this goes back to like, just how do you approach big things? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, getting information, figuring out what, what, you know, what you don't know, testing things. Um, yeah.
1: And there's a, there's a kind of a, (coughs) hopefully it's not surprising to people. There's a way to circumvent some of this process though. Are you ready for it?
0: One quick trip. Trick one, quick trick, one one, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That BuzzFeed
1: mm-hmm. hashtag, don't at me. Um, the trick is to go find someone who's really good at what you're trying to do, or who has already done it, right? So, if you're trying to,
0: but Tanner, nobody's done this thing I'm doing.
1: It's possible. It's possible. Rare. Uh, sure. Let's let's go back to my my example of working the autonomous vehicle space, right? So. At this job that I had, my role was to try to figure out how to make it so that engineers could <laughs> interpret the data that this machine was giving you. Uh, for those who don't know, autonomous vehicles often run on many different kind of sensor types: radar, lidar, telemetry, tele- 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 GPS, uh, GPU. Oh, no, that's that's not right. Anyway, there's a bunch <laughs> of sensor. There's a bunch of sensor types and. You know, to, to someone who has worked out of this space, it's, it's a lot of information. It's literally incredible amounts of data that are just coming in every second. And so how do we get, present that information to the engineer?
0: I don't know why they hired you.
1: (laughs) It's true. I I I mean,
0: like, how do you get experience in that anyway?
1: But here's, that's the question, right? Yeah. yeah. Someone who is good at working in, in an ambiguous space or with ambiguous problems can tackle almost anything. So, 100%. the fact that I had zero experience in automotive, the fact that I had zero experience in autonomous vehicles, uh, those kind of systems, that didn't matter because I knew how to explore those problem spaces. I knew I could tackle these challenges. And so, what did I do? In this case, what I did is I said, Well, who's done similar things? What are product spaces that have had to deal with a lot of information? And how do they do it efficiently? And some examples that I came up with were things like, movie making, like filmmaking, these massive studios who have, you know, entire rooms filled with computers and controls to, to process a lot of data. Mm, Uh, mm -hmm. What about 3d modeling? Mm -hmm. 3d space has a ton of data as well. Music, all these kind of creative spaces that have to parse a lot of information efficiently. And so even though no one, I couldn't really reference examples from other autonomous companies, I did have examples of these smaller pieces that I could kind of be inspired by. Right. And so when I say you can circumvent the process a little bit by just going and seeing what's already out there, you can to some degree for the, even the most ambiguous problems by breaking it down and looking at those small pieces. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so that's, a, that's an, I think that's a really important thing when it comes to, to navigating ambiguity. What else comes to mind for you when it comes yes. to ambiguity? Yes. <laughs> I, I I want to say here too, that something happens. I mentioned earlier how as you progress through your career, you're going to have to deal with more and more ambiguous challenges at the highest level of your career, whether that's VP of design, director of design, CEO, whatever, the ambiguity is the max. I think well, Meaning, that's it.
0: Cause you're trying to disrupt. You're trying to, yeah, disrupt, yes. be a big deal. And
1: <clears throat> no one's going to be there to tell you, Hey, this thing seems the most important. Why don't you go work on it? No, they're going to say, okay, your job is to help us succeed. What does that mean? How are we going to do it? What resources do you need? That's up to you to figure out. And so as you're progressing through your career early as a designer, you really need to get good at good and comfortable dealing with these ambiguous spaces, spaces where people will not have the answer for you, where you can't just go and talk to a few customers, where you can't just go and see what other people have done in the industry. You have to really develop these skills, this toolbox in order to say, okay, there's a lot of possibilities in front of us. Many people will get paralyzed by mm-hmm. that, but I'm going to get through it. And I'm going to work with my team and I'm going to pull in help. And I'm going to get all the information I can to make sense
0: of this. Yeah. And so do we have a laundry list of the things that we have? We have like, you're just starting out, you get, you, I like what you said about getting paralyzed. Cause I, I remember feeling that, um, you get a project and you're like, I don't know where to start. And so ask questions. Define the problem. Talk to people.
1: Gather information.
0: Gather information. Write down what you know. Write down what you don't know. Try some things. Experiment. Experiment. Get feedback.
1: Well, I want to pause on the experiment one because I think you're right there too. At some point in the ambiguous process, you have to do something that many people are often uncomfortable with, which is you have to take responsibility and make a decision. Meaning... Mm. How do you know what to test? If you have done all this research, this information gathering, you have a few possible pathways forward, you're starting to get clarity around the the problem space. At some point, you have to step up and say, I believe that maybe this is the way forward. Let's find out. Right.
0: And there's a flip side of that or a complimentary piece of that, which I wish we were better at, but be willing, be wrong. Like I think this whole idea of there's many ways to do this. There could be three white right, there could be three right ways to do this thing, or six right ways, or there could be one right way and seven bad ways. You just don't know because it's ambiguous, and so be willing to do like evaluate might be another thing on the list. How do you make decisions? How do you decide? Um, but when you do make those decisions, it's like. Maybe maybe make them in a way that's low risk. Maybe you maybe you want to go big and make risks. I think it kind of depends on your culture and the thing you're you're dealing the culture of your business and the company you're working for, not your business. It could be your business. Who knows? Um, but figure out what the culture is, and you know, are you going big? Can you test things along the way? And and so part of that is is about building confidence too,
1: mm-hmm. I and mean, just being willing to be accountable for the results. Right? If you approach it from the mindset of here, I've done all my research. I've done some some explorations. Here are the pathways that we could potentially take. I have some reasonable confidence in this solution. If We're going to approach it as an experiment and learn from the result. Mm-hmm. It may be wrong, but at least we'll learn and we'll adapt and we'll apply that. And so the cycle kind of repeats at that point.
0: And I think there's probably some useful things to here for the folks who are like, they're always that like, so, sort of like uh, that one-stop solution, one-stop shop where they're, you know, they they don't recognize the ambiguity. They just sort of say, well, sh- we should do this. Like, let's do this. And I've worked with PMs who are like that. They're like, oh, this is how we should do it. And I'm like, I'm either with them and I could be wrong or I'm not with them. And so what are the things that you can do when you feel like you're cutting through ambiguity? Maybe it's just like stepping back a second and saying, does this solve the problem? are there other ways that could solve the problem and running through that process a little bit more, maybe, you know, the solution because you're just so versed in the space and you know, patterns elsewhere in the world and, and, and maybe you just like have a gut feeling. And so, um, I think sort of like embracing that ambiguity. And I think that was one of the things that was phrased in the questions too. Like why do designers need to embrace ambiguity? And it's, I think it is because it allows us to expose that process that allows us to not just find a solution, but find the best solution
1: yes let's end there because i could not have said it better myself
0: Uh, my voice needs a break
1: all right let's go get you some soup Uh, (coughs) thanks everyone for listening as always really appreciate the support and help and uh yeah if you have questions that you'd like us to talk about just shoot us an email yep all right until next week
0: see ya